Welcome back to the listener's commentary on the Gospel of Mark. In this recording, what I want to do is just continue some of our background work by looking at an overview of the Gospel of Mark and then some of the key themes and key message that flows out of the way Mark has put together his Gospel. And the fact is, is Mark is fascinating. As we've noted in the last recording, it's the shortest of the Gospels. Uh, it appears to not have received much attention in the early church, at least not as much as the others. It, it didn't even get a commentary written about it until the 6th century. That's not to say it was ever questioned or disputed. No, it was viewed as authoritative and it was viewed as coming from Peter through the hands of Mark, as we talked about in our last recording. It just didn't seem to be really given that kind of attention that Matthew or John or Luke was given. Part of that may be that it has very little teaching of Jesus. I'm not really sure. And yet, Mark has an incredibly compelling message, a message that's deeply challenging for what it means to follow Jesus. And so in this recording, I want to give a quick overview of the book and then I want to look at uh, two big themes that show up in Mark and what that says to us about what it means to follow Jesus. So there are a variety of ways people will outline any Bible book, including the Gospel of Mark. But most recognize that with Mark, there are two big chunks to the Gospel, chapters 1 through 8 and chapters 9 through 16. 1 through 8 focuses on the question, who is Jesus? And it actually culminates in Jesus asking that very question of his disciples in Mark chapter 8. And so that first chunk, 1 through 8, is all about this question leading up to that, that culminating question when Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And then he looks at his disciples and says, who do you say that I am? And Peter answers that question by saying to Jesus, you are the Messiah. But then a conversation ensues between Peter and Jesus that leads to Peter getting rebuked. Let's look at this, Mark chapter 8, because we need to hear this little conversation and what, what happens between Peter and Jesus, because it really sets the trajectory for the rest of the gospel. So Mark chapter 8, towards the end, verse 27 the story reads like this, Jesus went out along with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he questioned his disciples, saying to them, who do people say that I am? And they told him, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say one of the prophets. And he continued questioning them, saying, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, you're the Messiah. And Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. So Peter gets the answer right. Yes, you're the Messiah. Now, don't tell anyone that, Jesus says. He gets the answer right. But he doesn't understand what that means. And so this whole first half of the Gospel of Mark is wrestling with this idea of Jesus' identity. What does it mean for him to be the Son of God? Who is he? Right? Like This is, this is what we're dealing with in this first half of the Gospel up to this moment where we get his identity right. You're the Messiah. Now, immediately after Peter says that, verse 31 says, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise from the dead. 
He was stating the matter plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning around and seeing his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you're not setting your mind on God's purposes, but on man's. And so, on one hand, Peter gets the answer about who Jesus is correctly. You're the Messiah. On the other hand, he clearly doesn't understand what it means as Jesus does, and he ends up getting rebuked by Jesus. So the first half of the Gospel of Mark is, who is Jesus? Well, he's the Messiah, the Son of God. Peter gets that right. But what does that mean? Well, Peter gets that part wrong. And that's where chapters 9 through 16 come in. And so chapters 1 through 8, that's one chunk. Who is Jesus? Chapters 9 through 16, that's the second chunk. And the question it's wrestling with is, well, what kind of Messiah? And it gets us to focus on the mission of Jesus. Jesus isn't the kind of Messiah that Peter and his fellow Jews were expecting. That's why Peter got it wrong. Jesus's mission is different than that. And so as we look at that little story there in Mark chapter 8, it's really the turning point in the story of the Gospel of Mark. After that little story, the focus of chapters 9 through 16 is more on Jesus teaching the twelve. And he's beginning to help them see who he is, what that means, and what it's going to mean for them. So two more times after that little bit that we read, Jesus will explain to them and warn them that he's going to Jerusalem, he's going to be rejected, he's going to be killed, and then three days later he will rise again, and they don't get it. In fact, every time Jesus explains that to them, there in Mark 8, then in Mark 9, and again in Mark chapter 10, every time Jesus explains how he's going to suffer, die, and rise again, the disciples do something. One of the disciples, all of the disciples, a couple of the disciples do something after Jesus tells them that, that reveals how deep their misunderstanding is. And then Jesus explains something to them about it that reveals the way of discipleship to them. So Mark 1 through 8, who is Jesus? Well, he's the Messiah. Mark 9 through 16, what does that mean? What kind of Messiah? Well, he's the Messiah who lays down his life for others. He's the suffering Messiah. And in fact, this is the very pattern for following him. The way of discipleship is going to look like Jesus laying down his life for us. And that leads us then to think about these two big themes in the Gospel of Mark. The first one is Jesus as the suffering king. That's one of the themes. Uh, we talked about in the introductory recording on our last recording, the, the importance of the title, the Son of God, how it shows up right at the beginning and then again towards the end, and it bookends the Gospel of Mark. Well, that title, the Son of God, is a royal title. And so on one hand, it's incredibly politically subversive, particularly the way Mark starts his Gospel. Mark opens the book with the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And this is a not-so-subtle polemic against Caesar and the Roman Empire. There's an ancient inscription that describes the birthday of 
uh, Augustus, and it actually describes Augustus as a god. And remember, Augustus was the emperor at the time of Jesus' birth in Luke chapter 2. Well, this inscription describes Augustus' birthday as the beginning of the gospel for the world. And then here comes Mark writing his gospel about Jesus saying, this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Uh, Augustus was heralded for bringing peace to the realm and being the savior of the world. In fact, the Caesar was considered the son of God because Julius Caesar had been divinized upon his death. And so uh, Augustus was his son and the Caesars that followed were the sons of God. Uh, Mark, in his opening line, is subversively insisting that Jesus is in fact the son of God, not Augustus or any other Caesar, and that the news about Jesus is in fact the true gospel uh, about the true king of the world. I think because of that, there's, there's a little bit of irony in what Mark saying at the end of his gospel when he has a Roman centurion. Remember that, a Roman centurion, a high-ranking military officer confessing that Jesus is the Son of God and doing so as Jesus hangs and dies on a Roman cross. There's some irony in that. And the reason for that is because the, the cross in Mark's gospel, is portrayed as Jesus' coronation day. It's the day that his kingship is made public and visible. He is crowned king by dying on a cross. And so what, uh, what Mark is telling us is that here's how the true son of God, the true savior and the true king, here's how he rescues his people, not by conquering them with military might and power, not by putting to death all his enemies. No, the true savior of the world, the true son of God, the true king, he lays down his life for people. He's the suffering king. He uses his power to save others and not himself. That's who Jesus is. He's the suffering king. Mark highlights this for us in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, when he has Jesus say, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. That self-designation, Son of Man, is again a royal title. It grows out of Daniel chapter 7. So as king, he's a king who lays down his life for others. He's a suffering king. That is a really important theme in the gospel of Mark. And it's central to what it means to follow Jesus. And so the second big theme that shows up in the way Mark has told his story is that the way of discipleship is the way of the cross. We already looked at that story in Mark chapter 8 where Jesus uh, asked them who he is. Peter says, you're the Messiah. Peter, uh, Jesus tells them that he's going to be rejected. He's going to suffer and die and then rise again. Peter rejects that. Jesus rebukes Peter. Well, after uh, Jesus has this conversation with Peter, then Jesus speaks to the whole crowd of those who are following him. And this is what he says, Mark 8, verse 34 and following. He summoned the crowd together with his disciples and he said to them, if anyone wants to come after me, in other words, if anyone wants to be my disciple, he must deny himself, take up his cross 
and follow me. Like, this is the way. This is the pattern. Like, it's not just me going to the cross for your sins and for the sake of the world. I'm actually giving you an example. This is what discipleship looks like. You got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. For what does it benefit a person to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? For what could a person give in exchange for his soul? And so Jesus follows up his explanation about him going to the cross with a call for us to carry our cross. Again, in chapter 9, when Jesus explains his coming death and resurrection for the second time, remember how I said each time this happens, the disciples do something that indicate they don't get it, they don't understand, and then that leads to Jesus saying something about discipleship. Well, in uh, chapter 9, when uh, Jesus explains his death and resurrection to them. On this particular occasion, the disciples are actually having an argument about who's the greatest. And so here's what happens. Verse 34 of chapter 9. Now, when they kept silent, because Jesus was saying, what were you talking about on the road? But they kept silent, for on the way they discussed with one another which of them was the greatest. And sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said to them, if anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all and a servant of all. Taking up your cross and following Jesus means uh, lowering yourself and serving other people. In fact, on that occasion, verse 36, Jesus took a child in his arms, placed it among them, and said, Whoever receives one child like this in my name receives me, and whoever receives me doesn't receive me, but him who sent me. There's this sense of uh, lowering yourself, serving others, caring for, and not the powerful and the high and the mighty, but the small and the little, whether they're children or other people. That's what it means to be a disciple. That's what the cross means for us. It means we're going to learn to walk the way of the cross. And then in chapter 10, for a third time, uh, Jesus explains his death again to him, states it to him. They don't get it. James and John request the chief seats, right? Like Jesus has just said he's going to Jerusalem, he's going to die. James and John say, hey, Lord, could you actually give us, you know, like your right and your left hand seats? Like we could be the, your number one, number two man in, in your new kingdom that's coming. It's like Jesus face palm moment, like they don't get it. Um, and so verse 42 of chapter 10, calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, you know, that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles domineer over them, and their people in high position exercise authority over them. But it's not that way among you. Rather, whoever wants to become prominent among you shall be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you shall be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so this time we get the culmination of it that what Jesus is calling us to is to embody the cross. Like the, the way of discipleship is cross-shaped. It's dying to self. It's lowering ourselves. It's serving others. It's laying down your life for others. So all of this in the way Mark has structured the story of Jesus and his gospel, all of this intends to help the original readers and us see 
that the gospel of Jesus, the Son of God, is a call to self-lowering, self-giving love for others. To follow Jesus is to imitate him. Discipleship necessarily, just by definition of the word, discipleship entails imitation. And Jesus and his cross, therefore, are the pattern for our lives. And this theme gets developed all over the New Testament. It's not just Mark's gospel. Mark is just telling the story of Jesus to help us see this is where it began. But it gets developed all over the New Testament. Paul's ministry was modeled after it. Read 2 Corinthians, right? Paul talks about how he constantly bears the dying of Jesus in his body by means of his own sufferings so that the life of Jesus could be poured out for others. He's embodying the cross in the pattern of his ministry. Or in Philippians chapter 2, Christians are actually called to embody in their relationships with one another the cross. And so you get, uh, consider one another more important than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but look out for the interest of others. And then he says, this is actually to have the very mindset of Jesus who emptied himself and became obedient to the point of death, Philippians chapter 2. And so our relationships are to embody this other-centeredness and this self-giving love. Husbands towards wives are told to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Or you read 1 Peter and the whole way we're supposed to suffer is to model or to embody the very pattern of the cross that we see in Jesus. And so this theme that shows up in the gospel of Mark, that discipleship is cross-shaped, that theme is developed all throughout the New Testament, and Mark has introduced it to us here in how he's told the story of Jesus. It's a huge, huge, important theme for what it means to follow Jesus. And so the way of discipleship is the way of the cross, because the way of the cross is the way of our King, who laid down his life for us. That's at the heart of the Gospel of Mark. And we'll unpack all of that in detail as we walk through the text of this beautiful story of Jesus, the suffering king. Hey, before we leave this recording, just a quick note about the Listener's Commentary Study Hub. If you want the details that lie behind the audio and some documents that actually fill in those details or give pictures for background, that's all available in the Listener's Commentary Study Hub. It is available on a pay-what-you-can-afford sort of basis. It takes a ton of work. But if you want to deepen your Bible study, you want the details behind the audio, and at the same time you would like to support this ministry, the Listener's Commentary Study Hub is a great option for you. There's a link down in the notes below there, or you can just go to listenerscommentary.com. Up in the upper right-hand corner, you can just click on Study Hub. It'll take you to the page where you can check that out.